The title of my message this morning is called Out on a Limb. Father, today I thank you so very much once again for your anointing. And Lord God, as we sang that song about it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. I felt, Lord God, that that was so prophetic and so timely as people have been attacked, family members have been attacked with this COVID-19. And for many of them, it's attacking their lungs. And it's weakened them. Lord God, we speak now that the breath of God would go upon these people today and breathe life into them. Get them off the ventilators. Get them off the respirators, Lord God. May they breathe freely now, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Open up their airways today, I pray, Lord God, that they're able to take full and deep life-giving breaths. Breaths of God. Breathe upon the people, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord God, I thank you that COVID, corona, whatever you want to call it, has no power over us whatsoever. We plead the blood of Jesus. We are protected today and no plague shall come nigh our dwelling and we give you thanks for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You can write that down. Amen in the comments if you want to as well. Today I want to talk about a man named Zacchaeus. I want us to look at Luke chapter 19 verse number one. It says this, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Say it one more time. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, but before he goes there, he goes by way of a place called Jericho. Now, many of you know, have heard about Jericho, where the supernatural walls came down, and, and God's people back in the day of the children of Israel just left Egypt, and now they're attacking the first city that God told them to go after, and it was Jericho, and God gave them a mighty supernatural victory. But did you know that everything in the Word of God, there's no waste in the Word of God? In other words, if there's a name of a city or a name of a person, they actually hold a meaning and a purpose behind the name. And Jericho, and I didn't know this until I began to study this. Jericho means this. It means the moon. The moon. One of the primary functions of the moon, you may know this already, it's not just the fact that it gives light in the night. It's not a light at all. It's a reflection of the sun, but it gives light to the earth, and it has a strong gravitational pull that keeps us in times and seasons correct on the earth, and also it has gravitational pull to pull asteroids that can be damaging to the earth unto itself. That's all wonderful. But do you know that also moon, the moon actually controls the tides? Sometimes the tide is for you, and sometimes the tide is against you. Sometimes the tide brings what you need, and sometimes it takes away what you need. Jesus had to pass through Jericho. In other words, Jesus was coming to turn the tide. I'm preaching real good now. Church, he's coming to turn the tide in your hopelessness. He's coming to turn the tide in your brokenness. He's coming to turn the tide in your discouragement. He's coming to turn the tide in America. You hear what I'm saying this morning. I'm prophesying now. God's about to do something in America, and it's not going to be like it was in the past. You better be ready because the only thing that is certain is change. Everything else is uncertain. God's about to change it all around, not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to put things back in proper perspective and priority again. Jesus Christ is Lord over America, and Jesus Christ is Lord over the nations of the world. Come on. Jesus is turning the tide. I want to look at verse number two. By the way, this whole Zacchaeus story, you, you probably never heard this before in your life. I've never heard it before. I started, God spoke to me and said, it's time to get out on a limb, and instantly told me where to go, and I started seeing the scriptures as what they were. I hope you can get the same uh, message. It says this in verse number two. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief 
tax collector, and he was rich. Now, let me give you some background about the tax collectors of those days. In the time of Rome, during the time of Christ, there were hired tax collectors. Most of them, in fact, were Jewish men. And they were hired by Rome to receive the taxes of the people to Rome. Now, the Jewish people were, were hit the hardest. They were hit the hardest in those days. And in fact, the Bible talks about how these tax collectors were very hated. And the reason why they were hated, y'all, is because, number one, they were Jewish people. And Jewish people shouldn't mix with Rome, and especially get, dig into the pockets of the Jews. So they, it was an automatic hatred toward the tax collector because of his ethnicity. So the Jews hated the Jewish tax collector because they felt, found him to be nothing but a, 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 a thief. And the reason why we say this is because it's, it was known in those times that the, the tax collector would be told, us, for instance, you go and collect 10% of the earnings, 10% of what they've earned, right? I'm just making that number up. But the tax collector would put an additional 2 or 3% on those taxes. Therefore, all he had to do was collect for Rome the 10%, but he got to keep the extra 2 or 3%. And the people knew they were being robbed. So it's very interesting, though, because he would be considered a traitor, uh, Zacchaeus, a traitor to his own people. He would be considered a thief and a liar. He would be considered an apostate to the, those people. But what's interesting is that the name Zacchaeus means this. Now, remember, names have purpose and meanings. It means this, clean, pure, innocent of heart. It's apparent that in this story that Zacchaeus is not the typical Jewish tax collector. He's clean, and you're going to find out in a moment, we're going to get to it in a moment, that this is true. He's clean, he's pure, and he's innocent of heart. But he's living under the shadow of suspicion because of what he does. Sometimes... God will put you into a position that will make you look suspect to other people. In other words, people will begin to question your motives even though you're doing the right thing. I know I'm talking to somebody this morning. There are times that God will have you say or do something that others will misunderstand or be, might be misconstrued, thinking you're the source of their problem, thinking you're the reason why they're having so much trouble and that you've teamed up against them with the powers that be, just like old Zach. Zacchaeus had the same problem. He had, a, he had an optics problem. His heart was in the right place, but he looked like he was doing the wrong thing. He's being judged for doing what was right. He was just doing his job. Zac Zacchaeus had a problem because he worked for the other team. He worked for Rome. But the devil is a lie. Go ahead and carry out your assignment anyways. Do what God's called you to do anyways. Go ahead and hold your head up high anyways because you're not here for the approval of man. You're here for the approval of God. Regardless of what they think, do what God says because obedience is better than sacrifice. They may all shift and move away from you, but you stand your ground because you're going to get the applause of heaven, which means the favor of God is going to come upon your life. Noah had the same issue. Noah for a hundred years is preaching the gospel of this. Get ready because the rain is coming. They said, what's rain? Because they didn't know what rain was. Because the earth was watered by the dew of the ground. And it did not have anything to do with rain. They didn't know what rain was. But Noah had received a prophetic warning from God and said, build an ark because rain is coming and the fountains of the deep are going to give it up and the whole earth is going to be flooded and those that are not on the ark are going to be destroyed. God's intention was to save people, Right? 
So he gets it. He's preaching for a hundred years, but he's mocked. He's ridiculed. They, the Bible says they wag their head at him and talk behind his back and say he's a crazy man. But he kept on doing what he's called to do. And let me just tell you, what happened was he arose. Come on. The ark picked up and arose above his problems. The same is true for you. Just keep on keeping on. We hope that people will listen to the warning. Look at verse number three. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. First of all, I want you to get this today. Zacchaeus sought to see. He sought to see. Remember that because we're going to come right back to this. He sought to see. He was looking to see who Jesus was. He's looking for opportunity. But the Bible says he couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd. I wonder how many times going with the crowd has kept us from seeing who Jesus really is. Church, you can't go with the crowd and expect miracles to show up. You can't go with the crowd and expect your life to turn around. You can't go with the crowd and expect you're going to be ready to go to the next level. You're going to have to make up your mind you're either in the world or you're in the kingdom of God. You need to make up your mind you're either going to be led by the crowd or you're going to be led by the cloud. Which one's it going to be? Come on, somebody. I know I'm preaching good. I made up my mind. I'm going with what God wants. Everything's getting ready to shift and change. And you're looking at one preacher that's not afraid. Not because I'm bragging on myself because I got fears. I got concerns like everybody else. But I cast my care upon him who cares for me. I'm ready to reach out. I'm ready to do more for God. I'm thankful for the, the yesteryears. And I'm thankful for the fruit of yesterday. But it pales in comparison to the harvest that's about to come to you and me. Somebody has got to get up in that tree. Somebody has got to seek out God and not run with the crowd. Verse 3 goes on to say, for he was short of stature. I, you know, I'm a small, I'm a short guy, right? I'm short. Never knew I was short. Never thought about short because I've always been kind of a leader in my day. You call me short, I'll knock you out. I'm, that was the old school days. I didn't, knew, I didn't know I was short. No one ever told me I was. Then I got older, I started seeing pictures of myself. And I thought, I thought I was the same height as they were. And they're like this tall, <laughs> you know. But this man, Zacchaeus, was short of stature. Now, the Bible put that in there for a purpose. Because short, biblically speaking, represents this. It represents having little importance. It represents having shrinking value. People don't see the value of who you really are. It represents inferiority. It represents powerlessness. And it represents intimidation. Okay? So now we have Zacchaeus who has, he's, has shrinking value in the people's eyes. Not just because he's a tax collector. He just not, he's just not what? He has little importance. He's not important to them. He's inferior. He feels powerless. He's intimidated. But Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus. Because he was trying to blend in with the crowd. And he came up short. And when we try to blend in with the crowd, we're going to come up short every single time. Running with the crowd had him in the wrong position. But then Zacchaeus does something that will change the course of his life forever. And that's what we need. We are standing. I just need you to get this. 
I know everybody's on different levels of faith, but I, I want to say this and you catch it whatever level you're on. We are standing in a time that we are, we're literally trying to bridge two errors, the old and the new, just like John the Baptist. And I'm not saying I'm John the Baptist, no way, Jose, but I will say this. I feel like John the Baptist. I know those preachers that feel like me, that we are a voice crying in the wilderness. Something's about to emerge on planet Earth. Something great is about to happen. In John's day, it was Jesus. Maybe we're going to be ushering Jesus back in. Maybe that's what's going to happen. He's coming back for his people. But I hope not. I hope it's not tomorrow because we got way too many sinners out there who are not going to heaven. But I will tell you this. Something grand and great is about to emerge. And the devil, like in the time of Pharaoh, is trying to kill all the unborn ch the children as you're three years of age. In other words, he's trying to bring destruction and distraction. That's what the devil always does. But here's what I'm going to tell you. We are in a prophetic moment in time where our life's course of our life can be changed. Amen. What does he do? Verse 4. So he, Zach, ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he, Jesus, was going to pass that way. Look, I believe that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, no question. He opened the door through his blood that we now have access to God anytime we please. But there are few times in your life where Jesus passes by your way for significant change. And that's the hour that we're in. That's the moment you're in right now in your life. It's called, there's two different kinds of times that are listed in the Bible. Two different kinds. There's the chronos time. Chronos is where we get the word chronological it is the, the time. It's whatever time it is. That's the time it is. The month that it is. The date that it is. Chronological meaning age. So I have my father. I'm a father. My son is a father. Chronological. It's in order. But then there's another time that the Bible mentions. And it's called Kairos. And a Kairos time is actually a moment. It's a prophetic moment in time or in history for a person's life or for a nation. That God sets aside and says, this is the moment of your opportunity. Did y'all hear me? And I heard a man say this one time. An opportunity of a lifetime is what? It only has the lifetime of the opportunity. So in other words, the, life, the opportunity of a lifetime only has a moment in time for you to take advantage of. But if you don't, it'll pass you by. Jesus came from Jericho to turn the tide in what, whose life? Zacchaeus' life. He knows it. He feels it. He's in desperation mode. He's been running with the crowd, but now he's up in the tree, and he knows he's in a Kairos moment. Something's about to shift in his life. So first of all, Zacchaeus runs ahead of the crowd. He breaks ranks. He breaks from the crowd. He breaks the status quo. He runs ahead of them and looks for a way to reposition himself. So why? So he can see. What does he do? He climbs a tree, and he gets out on a limb. Y'all didn't hear me. He climbs a tree, and he gets out on a limb. He's finally willing to take a risk in his life, not caring what anybody else thinks about him. Today is a Kairos moment, and I'm going to find out what Jesus got to say to me. Look, faith is a risk. 
Taught this on Thursday night. You can catch up and check it out if you want to a little bit later in our Thursday night Bible study. We're going to continue this week. Faith shows corresponding action to what a person actually believes. Belief is not faith. Belief is more in the hope realm. Belief is wonderful because it's hope. It's, it's seeing something that you have inside of you. But faith shows action to what you believe. Zacchaeus didn't believe that Jesus had something for it, and that was the end of it. It made him feel good, and he got little butterflies in the stomach. Woo, I, I, I just believe God's going to do something for me today. No, he takes control of it. He takes faith, a step of faith, and climbs up that tree. Others might think you're nuts, that you're doing what God told you to do. But I'm here to tell you, keep doing what God told you to do. The scriptures, the scriptures are replete with examples, one after the other, where God always honored people of faith, even though everybody else thought they were nuts. I know for us, we, the building that we're in right now, that we'll be back in together, the building we're in right now was a miracle. We did not have the finances. This was the, a Marcus Theater. And, and Marcus, for those that don't know, is a, is a big um, uh, organization that owns a family that owns theaters in town. And now they have these megaplexes. You know? But this was, this, was a, this was a sixplex theater at the time. It was built in stages from 71 to 85. And we, it was a miracle. We, I drove by this building and I, and I saw the, the for lease or for sale sign on the building. And I thought to myself, this would be perfect. We're believing God for a building. But we were only a year and a half old as a church. How much money did you have down to put down a building? I had no money to put down a building. We were just trying to make our, our little school payment, honey, that we had week after week. That's all we could do. But I had the church praying. I was praying. I had the church confessing a word every time we met on Sundays and, and, and Thursday nights. And, and we would meet and we'd put up on the screens. And, and here's our confession. We would prophesy that a building was coming to us. And that we would, be, we would have enjoy wells that we didn't dig. And enjoy plants that we did not plant. And, and have a house that we did not fill with furniture. All, we prophesied Deuteronomy. And God, when I'm driving by this building, I'm saying, Lord, that'd be perfect. And then instantly I said to myself, but, you know, we don't have enough. And, you know, I start going through the line of, of doubt, negativity. And God said, who said that? Go back and claim that building. And I went back. I drove back around. It was raining that day. And I, I drove in the front of this building. And, um, and I looked inside. and thought, wow, this is crazy looking. I mean, this is really neat. It's a theater. We do theater. We do drama. And, and, and it would be wonderful. And I'm looking. I'm neon lights. You know, it's old school. And, 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 and the carpet was real funky. I thought, well, I got funky people. So that kind of works out good for us. And, and you know, and, and, so, and so I said, I think our people really like this. And the Lord said, now claim it for yourself. And I stood back. And I said, all right, here we go. And I did look around a little bit because I didn't know who was watching me. But I said, in the name of Jesus, I claim this for ministry. I claim this for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I heard the Lord say, that that's it? Well, when God speaks, you know exactly what he means on every angle. And I knew that I did not pray the prayer he wanted. He, didn't, he said, you're going to pray for it to be a place where the gospel be preached? A place where, where a church can have it? Okay, good for you. I'll give it to any church then. I'll let the gospel be preached by anybody. I said, Lord, I know what you mean. He wants you to get, you have to ask him specifically. And I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, this building belongs to Jeff Pruitt and Faith Builders. It belongs to us, oh God. We're going to preach the gospel here. We're going to do plays and productions, and people are going to get saved here, and people are going to be encouraged here. And I prophesied it in the name of Jesus. Now, the Lord said, now go back and tell everybody you got the building. Now, I'm taking the risk of faith. I said, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go back and tell them, by faith, we got the building. By faith, by faith just simply means we ain't got it yet. Christians know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and that kind of gets you off the hook a little bit. And he said, you're going to say, by faith, you're going to say, you got it. 
I said, well, Lord, I'm going to tell him, you know, I'm going to tell him, I got, I got the building. You know, I'm, I'm, I, okay, I'll do what you tell me to do. So on Thursday night, I get there, man, and I mean, the place is going great. It's wonderful. And it's time. I got to get up there and tell the people out to praise and worship. I had to get out of the way because my mind was fixated on it. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to get up here. I'm going to tell the people that we got the building and that at some point God's going to give it to us. He said, uh, <clears throat> you going to tell the people at some point you got the building? Either you got the building, son, or you didn't get the building. Well, Lord, I ain't got no title deed. They ain't going to believe me. He said, you're going to take the risk. People are going to think you're nuts. People are going to think you've lost your mind. I'm talking to somebody today. People are going to think you've lost your mind, but you still got to do it God's way and don't back down for nobody. What if they ask you? I'm going to just tell them, we got it. So I stood up and I said, everybody want to know? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm nervous now. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm fighting back the nerves, man. And I just, I, somehow I got the guts and I said, everyone, everybody know we've been praying for a building. It's done. We got the building. The place goes nuts. The place goes wild. They're jumping up and down. The bass. Everybody's, going, everybody's dancing and shouting. And the whole time I'm going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What have I done? What have I done? And I told my wife, as soon as, we, as soon as we're done, I, said, I told her, I said, I'm, I, we're out of here. So I preached, got through the message, got in the car, and I was like, I don't want nobody asking me no questions. I'm out of here. So we leave, get in our, our car, and before we go home, we decide to go to uh, Rocky Rococo's, which is right here. I said, let's drive by the building. We'll get a Coke, and we'll take off to go home. So we drive by the Rocky Rococo's, order what we ordered, come around the side, and all of a sudden I see a group of about 20-some people walking around the building. Now, this is at 9.30, quarter to 10 at night. I thought, who in the world is, who is out here walking around this building? As they got closer, I said, oh, no. It was our church members that got together after the service. They were so excited that they got the building that we didn't have in the natural, but we had in the spirit that God wouldn't let me tell them. And they're walking around the building rejoicing and doing a Jericho march, giving God praise and walked around the building seven times. What would you do? Did you shout with them? Nope. I said, don't look their way. They might see us. Let's go. I hear what I'm saying. I had to build my, look, when God speaks to you in private, you are bold as a lion. When you got to go public, it's another thing altogether. But hold your ground, praise God. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but here we are in our beautiful facility. God did it! With less than 100 people, we were able to move into a 35,000 square foot building and been here ever since. Sometimes you've got to get out on a limb just to see what will happen. If you want to see Jesus, you got to get out on a limb to do it. John the Revelator, the apostle of Jesus, wrote in uh, his book, Revelation chapter 4, 1, and said, After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. First, I want you to notice something, a small detail that speaks volumes. He said, I looked, and behold, a door was standing open. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are you looking for? He looked and saw the door open. He looked, the Bible says, and behold. Watch this. He looked and behold. Watch this. He looked and behold. He was looking for something, and behold, an open door of opportunities. What door always means in the Word of God. Open door of opportunity or new beginning was about to happen in John's life. Let me make this statement. Sight precedes opportunity. And if you're not looking for the opportunity, you won't see the opportunity. It will just pass you by. Zacchaeus, if he didn't reposition himself to look for Jesus, Jesus would have passed right by him that day. 
and his life was about to change, and he would have never seen the kind of transformation he needed in his life. If you're not looking for it, it could pass you by. By the way, he's Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Deadbeat. He takes care of his children. Jireh, God, God, Jehovah, Jehovah means God. Jireh simply means, watch this, the God of provision that shall be seen or revealed. Our eyes have to be open. What are you fixing? What are your eyes looking upon? Then John said, he said, I heard a voice like a trumpet say to me, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. That's why we're supposed to spend time with God. That's why even though we're quarantined, we ought to up our prayer time every morning, noon and night to hear what God's trying to say because God wants to reveal a strategy. God has a plan. God has a purpose and a strategy for it to be accomplished. The Bible talks about temptation, that God wouldn't give you more than you could bear. But watch this. With the temptation would make the way of escape. That word makes means to reveal. God will reveal what? The way of escape. Way of escape means strategy. Y'all didn't hear me. God, with temptation in your life and the struggles that you're going through, will what? He will reveal to you the strategy. God can give you 59,000 ways out of your problem, but he's only anointed one of them. I just said a thing right there. God has the way out of your debt. God has the way out of your pain. God has the way out of your struggle. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. God is opening the door today for a brand new start, a brand new era, if you can understand it. Are you looking for it? Are your eyes upon it? Are you seeking him out? The word of God says, call to me and I will answer you, says the Lord. You pray, he responds. And I will what? I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. I will show you great and mighty things that have not been revealed to you yet. But I am Jehovah Jireh. My provision shall be revealed. The word mighty, great and mighty. The word mighty here is the word, the Hebrew word bapsar. And it means this, things that have been isolated from you, things just outside of your reach. What is it that you've been so close to lately? I mean, you feel, you felt it on your fingertips, but you couldn't get a grab on it. You couldn't grasp it. What is it? God said, if you'll call to me, I will show you. I will open your eyes so you can have the thing that's just been outside of your reach. I'm preaching really good now. So now, watch this. The phrase, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. It translates this, come up to another level and see. Did you hear this preacher? He said, here it is. There's a door standing open in heaven. Now come up to another level to see it. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They are what? They are higher. we got to come up to where God is. We can't try to bring God down and stuff him in our pocket and then pull him out every now and again. Oh, we need you now. And then put him back down. He's God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Verse number five, going back to Zacchaeus of Luke. I believe it was chapter 19. I think it's 19. And when Jesus came to the place... He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Look, look what happened the moment that Zacchaeus gets out on a limb. <laughs> this, is, this is prophetic now. I'm not trying to speak real eloquently. I'm, I'm trying to tell you we are in a moment in time where God is going to grace us and favor us to get out on a limb like we never had before. 
watch this, to take risks. Zacchaeus, he said, he took a risk and he repositioned himself. And then Jesus makes an announcement and he says to him, I must stay at your house. Now, Jesus embodies the presence of God. Jesus embodies all heavenly and earthly blessings, the favor of God. And Jesus said, I'm going to stay at your house. To a man who is looked at as the most vile person in town. That's tough for me sometimes to see someone who's vile get blessed. Okay, I'm going to move right along past that one. I was telling myself, I don't like it. I'm a good man. How come I'm not getting blessed? Maybe because they're out on a limb that I don't understand. Maybe they're taking a risk of faith that I haven't seen yet, but the Almighty got his attention. You might look kooky, a kooky Christian, if I can say it that way, by being out on a limb for God, but favor is coming to stay in your house. People will come and go, but favor has come to stay. Write this in your comments right there. Just write it down and just write it, put it in there. Favor ain't fair. Just go ahead and put it right in the comments. Favor ain't fair because it doesn't look like it. It ain't fair. You know, it's like you say, it ain't fair that they got a nice car. It ain't, I know who they are. I know their backstory, man. I'm better a Christian than they are. Amen. It's not fair they got a beautiful house and I'm over here in some apartment building. It's not fair they get to go on vacations all the time and taking pictures and put them on Instagram so we got to be jealous about it. It may not be fair, but it is right. Favor doesn't come on the timid. Favor comes on those who get themselves out on a limb, take a risk of faith. And by the way, there was only one person that did that on that day, and his name was Zacchaeus. Verse number six. So he made haste, Zacchaeus. He got down on that tree pretty quick. When God begins to move in your life, he moves quickly. Passover, we just had Passover. The Bible says, now, eat and eat it with haste. Because what I do, I'm going to do quickly. And then it says he, he came down and he received Jesus joyfully. In other words, he got happy. He was so happy. But when they saw it, the Bible says, saw what? Saw that he was happy. They all complained. They all got miserable. They all got jealous. People aren't always going to be glad to see the favor of God on your life. They're not going to celebrate you and say, look at the attaboy. Go. You're doing a great job. Why? Because haters going to hate. It is what it is. You go ahead and keep doing what God's asked you to do. And don't be ashamed of the blessing of God when it comes upon you. And they were saying, they were saying, he, Jesus has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. People love to give their stinking opinions. We live in a culture of opinionated people. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that. Well, who, who asked you? It was none of their business, but they couldn't help it until the Bible recorded and said they're all talking about Jesus and this man behind his back and said, well, he's just going to hang out with sinners now. Get free from people's opinions. Verse number eight, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, he said, Lord, I want you to see, I have given half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anybody, by false accusation, I restore fourfold. His name means clean. 
His name means pure. His name means innocent of heart. But they judged him harshly. But he's proven. He said, Lord, I know what they think about me. I'm used to it. Let me tell you why they think. Because let me just tell you, they think that I'm rich because I took from them. They think I'm rich because I got in their pocket. They don't know the deals I made. They don't know the sacrifices I went through. They don't know the investments that I've had. They don't know the savings that I had to go through for years to get to this place of being wealthy. They don't know the property I had to give up. They don't know what I've done, that, I, that everybody else is sleeping. I was up at night toiling, trying to figure out what to do with my life. They don't know what's going on. But all I know is they're judging me, and they think I'm rich because I stole from them. But I want you to know, Lord, that I've not stolen from anybody. Anybody who says I've stolen, I've paid up to four times the amount. I, I cleared my name. I didn't know if they were telling me the truth or not. All I know is I want to make sure that it's right. And I've given up to half my goods to feed the poor. I now we know why this man was so rich. He didn't get it from ill-gotten gain, as many people thought, but he was a man that was a giver. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We're living in a time of generosity. This is what most of the world will say we've got to hoard and hold back, but it's not that time. It's a time to give like in the days of Isaac when he gave, and he, he literally gave and sowed seed in the land of Gerar in a place of hard famine during that time. And the Bible says in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold return. Write that down in the comments. It's time to be generous. It's time to get generous. He was a generous man. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous soul will, will be made rich, and he who waters will be watered himself. A generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will be watered himself. You can't outgive God. And I want to take a moment to thank all the people that we've been, now weeks we have not had a, a, a church service. And you know, every pastor in America has been nervous. Are we going to have a church building to come back to? I can tell you this. This church will be here. You know why? Because there have been people that have watched us faithfully week after week, and they're sending their tithe. They're sending their offering. Do you know that people are still staying true to their Together campaign? That 555, you're still doing it. Amazing me. You're being faithful to God. Also, the Passover offering. People are still giving their, and you can still keep giving it. We've extended it for a whole month. Keep giving it as it comes to you. Pastor, people are still doing it. We had somebody give, not somebody, but several people put cash money in envelopes and mail it to us. Who does that? People that understand the principle, they're hungry, that if I give it away, even up to half my goods, I will be made rich. Not for greed. Not so I can have better cars and better clothes and, and, and have finer food and all those things. No, I'm a, I'm a blessed man so I can be a blessing. Nothing wrong with better houses and clothes, but that's not the purpose of this. I want to be a blessing so people's lives can be transformed. I want to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 9 and 10, I'm, I'm closing. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because he's also a son of Abraham. Yeah, he may look like a tax collector that's just nothing but a thief, but he's a covenant man. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Because you got out on a limb and took the risk of faith, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house. Because you get out on a limb and you take the risk of faith in your own life, salvation has come to your house. And the word salvation is the Greek word soteria. It doesn't mean our born-again experience. It includes that. It's far more reaching. It means this. It means deliverance. It means salvation. It means healing, safety, soundness, 
protection and prosperity. Today, Jesus said, because you took the risk of faith, today, deliverance has come to your house. Healing has come to your house. Are you hearing me? I'm prophesying to you. Salvation has come. As for you and your house, you shall be saved. You'll serve the Lord. Safety has come to your house. Soundness has come to your house. Prosperity has come to your house. Protection from viruses have come to your house. For I've come, he said, to seek and to save that which is lost. The mission and purpose of Jesus has always been the, the mainstay of, of what, he ever, what he's always done and still doing today. He is a savior. He is a savior.